in five, four, three, two, one. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Moon Tea Podcast. Uh, today, well, uh, we're your co-hosts, John and Hugh, over here or here, wherever he shows up. <laughs> today, we're joined by Toby. Toby, can you say your last name, please? It's Toby Alfintui. I like it. Yeah, Toby, Toby is a, a good friend um, for many months now. Uh, I'm proud to say I've been one of Toby's first friends when he moved up to Seattle, so it's been an absolute honor. Um, and yeah, Toby, do you want to introduce yourself to our one or two listeners? <laughs> <laughs> Hello, fellow one or two listeners. <laughs> All of them are in the room right now. <laughs> uh, no, uh, this is uh, my first podcast type conversation. Uh, my name is Toby. I uh, just moved to Seattle and I've had the honor and pleasure of knowing John uh, for the past few months. And um, I hope I have something that will be intriguing, insightful, or maybe just words that someone out there wants to hear. So, <laughs> <laughs> so here we go. <laughs> What's up, Hugh? Anything, anything you're interested in knowing about Toby? Because uh, I think Toby and Hugh just met maybe four minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> I basically just just got thrown into this in a great way, and I love this actually. So a second ago, and I, I have to ask right away, and we're just going for it. John dropped before we even started recording. He's like, "This is Toby, and Toby's a model." And I'm like, "Wait, what?" So now we have to go down this route. This has already been set. The train is going. Okay. Tell us more, Toby. Yeah, I don't know anything. No, that's okay. I. I, you know, I, I like to think everyone's a model. Um, you just might not realize it. So, uh, but uh, a friend got me connected through, I've always wanted to enter kind of more entertainment space or something that just allows you to show some personality um, where you are the product. And I think that's really cool. Um, I did a few photo shoots last summer um, for wine company, for clothing company and, um, and for a water company, they sell water. Um, and uh, and that's been most of my career is just a couple of shoots here and there and also helping friends out with their portfolios and such. So so I've been, it's very humbling. It's a very, very uh, small beginnings, but who knows what's gonna happen, you know? Moonlighting as a model, working tech so cool. day, so. Okay, so. You work in tech, but you want to become a model and are a model and still building up your portfolio and work. And he also wants to work in tech. <laughs> I want to do everything, okay? Tell uh, me more. If you're, if you're, if, uh, you're curious, Kobe on his Instagram has like really awesome shots where he's like, like has a water bottle right here. He's like, yo, check this out. Imagine All right, this. throw it. What's the handle really quick? Uh, it's Toby's Eye, so T-O-B-I-S-E-Y-E. And we'll, we'll link that in the show notes. <laughs> Let's go. Right here. <laughs> uh, out, out of curiosity, do the, yeah. do the brands reach out to you or, or do you like know a person who knows a person who yeah. knows a person? Yeah. So the first one I did was a photo shoot across Big Sur for a company called Toad & Company, sustainable brand, their supply chain sustainable, really cool company. Um, and I got connected to a friend uh, who was also helping um, 
kind of find locations and also find models for them. Um, and at the same time, I think uh, something that helped was was really that there's been a big push to have more representation in media. Um, and and I and I think I was just able to ride that wave at the same time. Also, I actually can model, or I've at least been looking at that or doing my own research um, in various capacities to also be able to show up in that space ready. Um, so that's um, so that's how I started. And funny enough, um, people see, hey, you can do the job. Okay, great. Uh, you're that de-risk my decision for you to do another job and the next job. And so so actually got connected through because they knew I did another photo shoot um, for winery and also for a couple others as well. So um, so it just kind of has been snowballing, but it's been on pause right now as I'm really focusing on my tech category um, of uh, where I'm at right now. What, are you playing hard to get now? You're like, I need to make myself three. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to need another zero behind, behind that paycheck. It's not you, it's me. I'm actually working on myself right now. Uh, <laughs> but other things to work on. But, um, Toby, do you want to talk a little about, a little bit about the work that you do in your yeah. in your day job and, and kind of like what you're what you're interested in where you where you want to take that yeah yeah um so right now i'm a program manager for amazon and i help amazon launch new services across north america and it's really cool because it's, it's an incubation team kind of starting small and then become something really massive so that's been exciting um but that's my day job and I enjoy it. Um, something else I'm also really excited about is being able to marry um, product management. So I, I also am a product manager, being able to marry product management um, and essentially the private sector and public sector, like policy, public policy, and things like that. And the way that when we look at technology, AI, machine learning, I get the sense that our public sector is a little bit, uh, I don't know why, um, I'm sure I can point to reasons why, but they're a little bit behind in terms of getting ahead of these innovations. So I have, and I'm still trying to figure out how to get ahead of, you know, bring public spaces also into the private sector so that they're able to support each other. So maybe Google releases this new, I don't know, like, technology rather than responding to the repercussions or the downstream effects we're actually able to get ahead of these because we're thinking super inclusive about everyone and not just chasing that dollar or chasing just innovation for the sake of innovation so be thoughtful about it so that's really where my heart and dream lies and like i this is what i want to die doing so so i'm learning a lot about that space right now so just to clarify, what is it you want to die doing is not product management for Amazon, right? You said Amazon mm -hmm. and such, but it is just the whole concept in general of bridging that gap between private sector technology and public sector and having a bit more thought put into the technology or the products that are released and created for the public. No, yeah, that too. So not even just the products, but even the way we do things. Um, I mean, think about um, um, think about the way we think about. Uh, I'm losing my words. <laughs> think about the way you think about. 
Um, an example might be maybe our library systems, you know, how are we innovating libraries where it's a public space for everyone, but you're not also being charged um, a la carte for whatever, because this is a fundament, it's a fundamental public space. Um, but today libraries, um, to my knowledge, are dying. They're not, um, or maybe they're not able to evolve as quickly as maybe the private sector who's doing something similar in that space. Let's call it uh, Amazon books or something. Um, but to make sure that we're also supporting the public sector and everything is not just for monetization or profit, that we are creating margins in what we're delivering so that everyone also has access to it. Um, same for roads, you know, I, I would hate for my roads to be privatized. That means every time I, you know, in a way is we pay for our roads through taxes, but, you know, there are children who use roads that don't pay for taxes. Um, they maybe public transportation is also one where everyone can benefit from it if you choose to use public transportation, but it's not necessarily, um, you're not essentially being charged every single time you use it in the way you might be in like a private product or service. So when you, uh, so when you make the distinction between uh, like the private and public products, uh, public kind of encompasses, I'm guessing like nonprofits, government services, but then there's, there's an element of uh, accessibility and making it so that people can be happy and productive, but like without, without having parents who can pay for it or without, uh, like, is that, is that what you mean by public? Yeah, public, um, things that are widely accessible to everyone or are supposed to be widely accessible to everyone. So maybe roads, maybe even the way we think about air. Air is a public um, service. I don't know how to think about air in this space. It's a public amenity or utility. Um, we need it to survive, but I'm pretty sure one day we will monetize air with the way we're going with climate change. There's gonna be a need for that. Um, and I hope that we're thinking about everyone. Once again, hopefully we don't get to that point where we actually are monetizing air. That sounds, I don't want that future. But um, the idea is to think about what, what is maybe a publicly funded or something that's intended for the public um, versus maybe something that is privatized and intended for a very specific audience, um, but actually benefits a larger group of people. And maybe there's a paywall that, or something that's impeding that access, but how do we bridge that gap? And how do we take the way private sector is really good at innovating, like think about Amazon, how is Amazon able to deliver, you know, your goods within days. I mean, I ordered deodorant the other day and it got there within three hours. It's like, whoa, whoa, that's impressive. But how can we make that available where so you can maybe provide amenities for people such as medicine so that you can get your medicine in quick in, in that time period as opposed to it being something for profit. Maybe we should sell medicine on Amazon. Maybe that's, <laughs> I don't know, they're probably thinking about it already. <laughs> I think they are. I wonder, I wonder if the, I wonder if the public private distinction is, is, well, I guess it depends on, on what we're, what we're working on, but yeah, there's, there's some element of like, there, there are examples of if that private company is successful, then it, 
kind of benefits everyone mm. um, or most people. Um, mm. Let me think of an example. Uh, I think I think Amazon benefits more people than they get credit for. Um, so they 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 get a lot of a lot of bad press for not paying well or um, having really hard uh, like working like a really hard working environment. Mm -hmm. But at the at the end of the day, there are tons like just a lot of people who benefit from their services. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's just that's just one example that that uh, a lot of people will be. I, they're getting a lot of a lot of bad press recently, so maybe maybe I won't, I won't <laughs> <laughs> dig into that example further. No. Um, yeah, yeah. Do you wanna uh, do you wanna talk about any? Uh, I don't know. Like outside of work outside yeah. of uh outside of the modeling career no so far so far toby seems like he's all hustle <laughs> Which, yeah. uh, tell us what's your most embarrassing part of yourself oh most embarrassing part um i talk to myself quite a bit and uh i used to be uncomfortable with that i was like i'm losing my mind you know um but i find that um everything is just so go, 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 and so scheduled that there's no time to be bored. And so, um, and I think boredom has a negative connotation or negative uh, like context. I don't know why people think, but boredom is not good, but I think boredom is great. I have some of the best things happen to me when I'm bored or I find myself being more empathetic towards maybe, oh, how was that interaction that I had that person? Did I create space for them? You know, was I thoughtful? Did I say words that, or say things I don't even believe, but just felt right in that moment? Um, and so I find myself kind of like, almost, I get so in my own head that I start talking out loud and I go, am I talking out loud? Am I, am I crazy? Um, but in reality, it's no, you're not. You're, you're a human being who's, you know, reflecting. And sometimes that is, so I can be a little bit embarrassed about that, uh, especially if I have friends over and we're just kind of like doing our own thing in an apartment. Um, it can be a little bit embarrassing, but I don't know. Maybe it's- I little... love it. That is so cool. <laughs> no, I love how open you are and how quick you are to the draw at what that, that was for you. I, I was thinking about it the other day. Yeah. And the, the, that, that thing of time alone, right? I don't know about you. I'm sure you're not a single man. You're a very good looking chap, but myself, oh. a mediocre at best, I'm a single oh, man and it's that. a good life. And so I have a lot of time to myself. And it's interesting that you brought that point up because I, I find I used to struggle as well with regards to time alone and quote unquote boredom. And the way in which I've kind of recontextualized it and rethought about it is it's not boredom per se, it's emptiness of things to do. It's a lack of of to-do lists, right? And so when you're in that space of what do I do? I have free time. I realized that I struggled with that moment and those moments that continued for however long it was, an hour, 30 minutes, a day, three days. And I guess a lot of people kind of satiate that 
gray area sometimes by having a really good time. You know, you go on vacations, you go to Cabo. I don't know, not marketing Cabo. I don't know. Mimosas on the beach. But then there are other right exactly. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and then there are other moments though when you're kind of in a space alone at home and you're not going anywhere. And then you say, you know, I've already done all the work I've done and wanted to do today. I've already done the gym. I've already worked out. What am I, I don't have a relationship partner and I'm actually happily single and choose to kind of be that way right now. So what is it that I'm feeling? And that's what I've been exploring a bit more in my life actually for the past year now. And in the beginning for the first few months proceeding, proceeding, uh, post-seeding after coming after my breakups, uh, (laughs) I, I definitely had moments where I kind of in the same way you had that voice in your head, I actually have a really unhealthy voice in my head uh, and have had for a very long time in my life. And I've been getting a lot better with it. And it's funny because I actually, it's funny you bring that up and I'll, I'll contextualize it in a separate way. I just went climbing yesterday. It was fantastic. And I climbed for two hours. I was there and there was a moment where I started to climb my first B4. I've only been climbing for three months recently. I've been climbing for years, but I just couldn't even do a V0 three months ago. So now I'm piecing together a V4 and I sat there and then I get into this place where I start to think in my head and I just do it on my own. Don't climb with people Uh, that yesterday I didn't climb with people. And I I just sat there and I thought, you know, if I, I like to compete, I used to compete. I got really burnt out with competition due to swimming and stuff like that. But there was a moment where I said, you know, I'm actually really enjoying the process and the progression curve Mm. of getting better without aspiring to be a winning competition person, you know? But then I did think, huh, maybe it would be fun one day if I do keep enjoying this to compete one day. And if I did, I'm sure there would come a moment. And it was funny. I just, uh, there would come a moment where I would do a problem. And I was just thinking about this while looking at a V4 I was piecing together. And I said, there will come a moment where I cannot do the problem and in the competition. And people are there. I'm stressed. I really want to accomplish this i want to compete i want to win but when that moment happens what would i normally do and i knew to myself i would go sit down if i failed and you know went halfway didn't finish the problem i have x amount of time to finish it i would sit down and this time i would go around and instead like growing up i would always say you suck you know like who the like well you're nothing you know like how can you not do this you trash right and so then there was like a moment where I was like, oh, while sitting there again at this before, I said, you know, usually I would try to push it aside and stuff. And I mean, it's very basic therapeutic practices, but I just thought this time is actually the first time I ever thought about competition in the sense of whether, I, whether or not I do complete that problem, I'm just happy and proud of myself to have been there, even at the V4 that day and that I was piecing together, right? And I thought I would have another voice that would also be a second proponent for, you know, okay, cool. Like way to go. Asshole, Hugh head brain voice, you know, thanks. And then, okay, let's try again. You know, like at least just try something different. And if you failed that one time, try something different in a different way and give it another shot. Right. And if you can't make it, whatever, and go improve. So I thought that was a very long soliloquy in a sense for, mental health. And I think it's a very good thing to find comfort in your own voice in your head, 
in in your own times, especially if you're single and you were dependent on others in previous relationships. I know of a friend who's going through a breakup right now. Believe in you, bro. And yeah, like all that time, downtime actually can be some of the most creative if and when harnessed correctly, I feel. Yeah, no, I second that. Um, uh, so for context, I just moved from Santa Barbara and um, <clears throat> a few months ago, I mean, I've, I'm, I've been very fortunate to have such a big community in Santa Barbara. And I found I was always busy, always doing things and and it's definitely like business is such a, it's such a, it's addicting. There's just like addiction to feeling productive, addiction to feeling like, oh, I'm connecting, I'm meeting people, da, 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 da. But I found that I stopped hearing my own voice. And to when I moved to Seattle, I started hearing more of my own voice. I started hearing more. And it was weird, like hearing my own voice. Like, it's like there are two layers. There's a Toby that's speaking externally and then a Toby that's kind of churning internally. And sometimes they're kind of doing the same thing. And sometimes this is happening. Here, maybe I'll do this. This is happening. And then this is kind of doing this. And I think when I'm bored or when there's, I've allowed, because there's always something to do. At least I feel like there's always something to do. And, um, but when I give myself permission to be bored, or permission to do nothing. Um, it's no longer, this voice is no longer the leading voice, this is the external voice. The internal voice starts to lead. And it's almost like, I feel like I'm reacting less to things. Um, and I'm actually like my brain and my sense of self is actually propelling me towards something better. So in a, it's almost like I'm praying, you know, like, I don't know if you're religious. Um, I am spiritual in a way that I'm still discovering for myself. And uh, some people might say you're meeting your maker. I, I actually believe your maker is really yourself and um, or your sense of self. And I feel like I'm coming back to myself and around board. And so it's been really meditative. Um, whenever I give myself permission to be bored, I love it. It's like, oh yeah, I feel good. But for some reason, when I step out of it, I, it, it's really hard to actually go back and make space, make margins for just like, nope, I'm gonna do nothing for an hour and give myself permission to do nothing for an hour, for 30 minutes, where I literally am like, no, so you, you're not allowed to accomplish anything. You're only allowed to just be, and that is so hard. <laughs> but not to, uh... Not to be the the uh, typical millennial, but I, I feel like I feel like we're uh, touching the edges of of meditation and mm -hmm. and uh, kind of like why why it can be valuable, um, but also also something as simple as as like having Sundays be be like an independent Sabbath day. Mm -hmm. So like I most of the time try to not work or do do anything uh to and like anything ambitious on yeah. on like sundays um i'm not always perfect at it but it helps me to have a full day where i intentionally take a step back and yeah. like maybe i'll do maybe i'll do really easy chores mm -hmm. and maybe i'll eat at a nice restaurant or anything but like my goal is to not have a particular goal for that day. Like mm -hmm. if I if I don't if I don't like finish X or if I don't read this, like it's okay. 
Mm. Like, so I, I find I find that is really helpful uh, for me in order to to uh, be less lazy for the rest of the week. Just mm. like have a day of intentional laziness. Right. Um, and then and then the second thing is I, I used to do this a lot more, but I I used to have a meditation practice like pretty consistently. Um, and it I used to do like 20 minutes in the morning, just like right before I I did whatever else. And it was it was really interesting to to just sit there and like listen to that voice. Okay. And and like the at least what I was doing like was like the point of it was just to observe it and not to try to force it in any way, but just to like be mindful of that voice. Um, but what I found was that when you are in the habit of giving yourself that time to take a step back from the craziness of the rest of life and and uh, and just just like be mindful. Uh, it's it's in a in a weird way like helps me be more focused on the rest of the day. Yeah. Also, I say all this and I haven't meditated in months. <laughs> I was just gonna. I was just gonna. <laughs> I think so. Not not uh, not doing a great job of of selling this. But, uh, it is. <laughs> so I just want to hop in there with regards to meditation and spiritual practices. This is actually something I've been fascinated about that. I personally struggled with for, you know, there's those moments where you go on your spiritual journeys and there are different modalities and such that you kind of explore. And one of them, of course, is meditation. And I think, you know, as they kind of say, uh, you take some time, 20 minutes, you think of the thoughts in your head, kind of like cars passing by, you accept and acknowledge that they're there, they drive by, you go into the next car, right? And so it's just a stream of cars and that's your thoughts. For me, it's really funny. I had tried that for so long and it just... I just never could. I just, and it's not, a, I just could never, right? I could try harder, I'm sure. But I found for myself at least, right? It's something that I never hear talked about as much either though, with regards to what is meditation. And I've heard it once before and never really repeated again. And I always thought that was a nice idea of meditation isn't just forcing yourself to sit there and forcing yourself to breathe to present and forcing yourself to not think and forcing yourself to appreciate the thoughts in your head. Meditation is in those moments that are in between busy moments of X, Y, and Z. Whenever that state of mind happens and or moment happens, just appreciating that moment and being able to not just be Zen, like, right? If you want to be Zen, sure. Like if you want to go be a monk, sure. But in that moment, it's okay to be hyped too in a meditative type state. Like I think there is a, like a, a cool context of, what is being present and what is being there with your friends, family, just in the moment while not having an unhealthy mindset and you're open-minded to other people's personalities, cultures, backgrounds, religion, sex, et cetera. And if you're in that type of state, I think that's basically meditation in my mind, as long as you're not stressed about work, it's not an unhealthy environment, you're all those things come together. Right. And it's different for everybody, but I just, I just remember feeling a lot of, I guess, meditative guilt for about <laughs> two years when I was in San Francisco, John, that's when I was practicing all this. And I was like, I just, what's wrong with me? And then I think that just spiraled me even more, you know, <laughs> like, oh. but that's funny. Yeah. That's funny. Uh, Cause what you're describing is like, you're feeling anxiety 
because you feel that meditation isn't doing anything for you, which is kind of the opposite of, of what people say it's supposed to do. So it's, it's interesting that you had that outcome. Also, I want, I want to clarify or, or just say that uh, it's awesome that you tried it. And mm -hmm. there have been tons of other things that other people have tried, like, I don't know, like journaling every day or, or uh, climbing for me. Like that's where I find it. Like there, there are a bunch of things that I've tried and, and I've been like, yeah, like it's, it's not for me. And it's like, yeah, I mean, it's totally cool. I, I, I suspect, I suspect that uh, what a lot of people get out of a regular, like traditional meditation practice, you, you might get from, from climbing. Yeah, from climbing or like on my own at bouldering and then just saying hi to people and talking here and there. And one yeah. day, just yesterday, there a guy like had his hand out and I like turned back and I accidentally touched it. And I looked at him and I like, I was like, oh, we should hold hands. And so then he's like, yeah. And so we Please held hands for a second. You held totally random. Yeah, I love <laughs> totally. It was great. And I just thought it was fun. And then we went and climbed on our own and stuff. But like you, you just meet random people, have good moments like that. And climbing for me, I don't know, just kind of like piece of problem together. I'm like, I'm tired from the day. And if I'm not in the zone, then I'm just like, okay, I'm going to go home and chill on a couch, right? It just depends on how you feel. And sometimes you force yourself into it is bad. Sometimes you force yourself into it just when you're at the cusp and you don't know, but you know, like maybe activity is better. Then you go and you just do a warm up, and then warm up turns into a V1, and then a warm up turns into a good piece. And then you say, okay, close it out. But if it doesn't click and you're there, it's kind of like this thing of I feel like people are always like, you need to work out 30 minutes every day, uh, three times a week. You know, if you, uh, you, know uh, you need to do this, you need to have veggies on your dish this much. Um, I, I think those are actually really good things. So I'm not going to say that's a bad thing. But the, there's also the other way of like, I, if I bought Coachella tickets, right, and I paid, I, this is just hypothetical, and I paid $300 for a Coachella ticket, and on the first day, I hated it. It was the worst experience I've ever had, and I'm with friends or whatever, and just, I, it is not my thing. I found out that there are people in this world that would not go home and just leave because they had paid $300. They would want to make the most of it and force themselves to stay for the next three, two days. And to me, sure it's a bit of a privilege to have $300 and then just leave on the first day if you have a bad time but like genuinely if you're having a bad time if you have a bad xyz bad trip to place and then you just don't want to do it just leave you know just go you have the opportunity right and it just surprised me i was like wow there are people out there that would maximize their utility of cost over their own personal happiness oh, weird yeah that's a perspective, like recognizing what you're saying. I do think that's a perspective. Um, what's this, that a term? Um, cognitive dissonance or dissonance or um, where I think because you've bought the ticket, you want to maximize it because you want to maximize your, while like your returns might not be as high, returns on insert whatever the returns is might not be as high there's still this desire. It's like, well, I don't want to like lose it all. But um, but I definitely get, I get the example of what you're saying. And I feel like, I don't know, like in a way it's almost like the sunk cost fallacy. It's like, I've already spent the money. I'm not having a good time, go home. And there are situations in my life where I feel like I should definitely, if 
like assess the situation and went home, whatever home means metaphorically here. And, um, and I find that I tend to live on the other side of things where I want to make the best of it, not realizing that there are a lot of decisions that I'm not able to make because I'm currently trying to um, like live in this other parallel where maybe my costs have been sunk and I should just pack my bags and go, whatever, once again, metaphorically that means. Um, but a lot has to do with almost fear for me. Um, like, why not just go home? Like, what if there's another adventure on the way home? And it's like, oh, I'm so glad that I weighed out my options and said, this path is no longer working for me. And this path is the, like, I don't know what's over here, but I want to take my odds and go like the second route that was not planned. Um, but it has a lot of fear, a lot of control or lack of control. Um, and that's something that I, I don't know if I'm making hard about it, but that's something that I think is a recurring pattern for me where you just kind of deal with it. Um, and I don't, I don't want to shuffle this up to like being an immigrant. I'm also an immigrant. Um, well, not also an immigrant. I am an immigrant. Um, and I think there's this sense of, I am just so fortunate to be here. So fortunate, so fortunate, so fortunate. And it bothers me because I don't want to be fortunate to, I don't, I don't want to be fortunate. I'm sorry. Like, yeah, I said it. I don't want to be fortunate, you know, um, because it, it's coming from a position of not enough. Um, it's coming from uh, uh, whatever is like, there's a growth mentality or like there's a, like, there's a not surplus mentality. Maybe there's this mentality of like, there's more, you know, rather than rationing the pie, there's actually a lot more pie in the world. So rather than just holding on to this, it's like actually to like release this so you can go on to other things that you may actually enjoy. Um, and it's really scary because it's like, this is the pie I know. I know I like apple cobbler with vanilla ice cream and um, with ice cream is melted in the microwave for like 10 seconds. So it's a soft serve. An affogato. Oh, yeah, I just made that noise on the podcast. Oh, I'm embarrassing myself. Ooh. I'm embarrassing myself. <laughs> Ooh, la, la. <laughs> but um, yeah, maybe you know you like apple cobbler with, ice cream why not like what if there's actually something else that you can create space for and um and that's something that i've been noticing more of and trying to understand better don't know if i want to change it but just maybe understand it better follow-up question to to uh what you said right there have you thought about if you have any kind of like guiding principles uh for mm -hmm how you prioritize your time and your resources, um, because just as some context, Toby, Toby is a super extroverted guy every weekend up to like, for every one adventure I have, Toby has three or four. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and and, and uh, also, also just like a really like awesome and quality person. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm curious if you, um, if you've had any recent, uh, yeah, just like thoughts about like, like 
this is important to me like this this i want to have always or or is it or is it more like everything that i have i'm ready to start over at any point like how do you think about that oh yeah um i think that there are a few things that you could never um you just can't take back and maybe i'm thinking of it from a scarcity mindset i don't know yet but i think time is so important um in fact like like it's the it's like the great equalizer is time like people say it's death but it's not really death i don't think it's death i think it's time because death fundamentally boils down to time it's like well you have a certain time on earth you live in and maybe on the other side is death but i don't know what's on the side of death maybe it's actually more time maybe it's infinite time but we don't know that i just i don't know that um but i think my guiding principle is there's so much of you know um i'll sum up like there's like some people pray to a god and i believe that there is a god i don't know i know there's a prime mover the first mover um but i don't know how to understand that first mover but the way i understand that first mover is actually by understanding myself because i am the one perceiving the world and so um my guiding principle is whatever gives me space to be all the people and persons and personalities and structures that i want to be i think is the ultimate guiding principle for me um, and I don't think I've actually thought about it so concretely before. I'm actually kind of making up, making this up as I'm going, to be quite honest. But I do know that's a pattern I always come back to. And when I find that like, oh, this person is assuming this of me, I find myself a little bit constricted. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. You don't know what's going on in my head. Give me the freedom to change my mind. And I think everyone in a fundamental way wants that. And, and, you know, I think, imagine if you've been in an argument and you've held your ground, there's always that point, especially if you're wrong, where you know you're wrong, but you don't want to change your mind because there's this perception of, well, you stood this ground, this is your position, you got to hold your position. But it's like, no, like, I want to change my mind. I want to be a different person. I want to, I want to wake up one day and maybe decide I want to wear dresses all the time. And that's great. You know, I think everyone should be given that freedom to explore because that's literally what the world is. It's, it's unfolding, like quite literally the universe is like becoming even more and more bigger as we know it. Um, and, and I think that's, that's my guiding principle. Um, and I'll end it with, there's just really beautiful quote by Jonathan Safra Four. Oh, if you're reading this or listening to this, Jonathan, I'm so sorry I just butchered your name. But um, it's, uh, I can feel the weight of all, I can feel my bones straining underneath the lives I'm not living. And when I first heard that quote, one of like amazing human being Kiko um, from college shared that with me, I just was like, this is my guy. This is, this is something I will always go back to is I need to be able to explore all these lives because so whatever way that would let me explore that, I'm going back to time is like, you can't, you know, you have 24 hours a day. So how do I maximize my time per day? And I think at the end of the day, it's like, how do I experience many things at the same time without being able to understand it? And at the same time say, okay, great. I've experienced that 
cool, moving on. I now know this about myself. You know, it's like if like I'm looking at um, like this candle, for example, it's like, this is me, there's a light coming here. It's like, oh, if I turn it this way, it's another perspective. It kind of looks the same thing, like the same thing, but I now, like that candle holder is me. It's like, I get to look at myself from different angles and learn more about myself, but you need time. Toby, you're such a badass. <laughs> Toby, Toby just recited poetry, and then he used, he used his candle as a metaphor. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, we, we going deep. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> yeah. What about you? What's, what, are you what are your guiding principles? What, or how have you been coming up with what guiding principles may mean to you? And you, Hugh. Okay, give me a second. Yeah. Take a sip of wine here. And you feel free to chime in if you. I feel my bones straining at the many lives that I haven't lived or not oh. living. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. So good. It's, um, it's a big poem. Oh, it's a big phrase. It's beautiful. Yeah, I'm I'm like visualizing it right now, and it's quite it's it's I feel my bones straining under the many lives I'm not living. Yes. Right. So yeah. not living instead of living. Okay. And so that's so curious to me. Yeah. The bones are straining under the many lives you're not living. So there's strain due to the fact that someone is wanting possibly connoted to live these other lives and they're not living them so it's about oppression possibly um yeah i mean kind of it some kind of i guess we know i, I use oppression in a more social justice like context but yeah in a way it is kind of like a there's something stopping you um from getting to you know, point B, whatever point B is. And, um, and I think I just want to be untethered, unfree, uh, or the, not unfree, but have the ability to explore. You're allowed the space to explore. So the person who wants to one day tomorrow dress in dresses, right? Would that be categorized or counted as social oppression slash oppression? Um, the person who but feels, yeah, but feels the strain of the lives they're not living due yeah. to the fact that society is oppressing them to not feel comfortable to do that in an instant. Yeah. Or is there a deeper meaning to social oppression? Oh, um, I think oppression probably means a lot to many people, but for me, I'll probably say, yeah, you know, there. Even in the way we use our language, like our languages can be cages, you know? It's like, well, you should be doing this. It's like, oh man, I didn't think I was supposed to be doing anything, but now I have to respond to your shoulds, your coulds, your woulds that I didn't realize I had for myself. So now I have to say, no, I should not do this. And that is energy. That is like some kind of energy that is taken out of me to then respond to your shoulds, coulds, and woulds rather than just ask the question, what would you like to do? Or what do you want to do? Rather than me responding to, it's almost like 
here's here's life, here's time, and here's expectation here. And you get to expectation and it's like, oh man, I was supposed to do this thing. Now I feel like I lost time because I could have been doing these things. But if you kind of come to me or you, you just approach life from a, awesome, it's more like self-driven as opposed to life happening to you it's, or people happening to you, expectations happening to you. It's like, what are my expectations of myself? It's self, it's more, uh, there's more autonomy, more power around that. And I think that is the opposite of oppression. I actually don't believe in opposites, but I think for conversation's sake, that is the opposite of oppression is like more autonomy and oppression is saying like, here's your cage, here's your box. You have to break out of it. And if you do break out of it, something happens that is of consequence, or at least the perception. I just want to say Love that it. my, uh, guiding principle is yeah. is whenever I make a decision I, I say what would 70 year old me mm. look back and be like hell yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was badass so yeah like I want to have I want to have fun and memorable experiences and just just squeeze just like have have as much fun as as, as uh I'm allowed to have mm it's like if I don't know what I'm doing here in terms of a higher purpose like I, if I don't know for sure then like I might as well have fun with it and I might as well uh just like try to live my best life and uh for me for me that entails just like whatever I'm doing it's and I'm, I'm not perfect at this but uh it's like that's exactly what I want to be doing right now like like this podcast is what i want to be working on right now and i'm and i'm spending like like the amount of time i'm putting into it is is right uh and then my my day job is also what i want to be doing right now maybe i'm putting a little bit more hours than <laughs> than uh what would be best we but, you know it, it happens yeah um and me being in Seattle, same thing. Like, feels feels right. And and yeah, I ex I expect in the future I'll yeah. obviously I'm moving to the East Coast uh, later this year. Yeah. Uh, want to live abroad at some point and just want to have a lot of experiences and like try to be less ignorant and just like do fun stuff. I love it. So good. Thanks for sharing. You're so cool. Do you have yours yet, Hugh, or are you still thinking about it? Also, no pressure, Nancy. No, no. Principles are fascinating. I think principles are kind of defined differently for different people. But for me, it's foundational. It's architectural. And in it, I think of it in a bit of a framework, right? So you've got like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Mm -hmm. And you've got the triangle. And you've got everything. But I've kind of appropriated that idea and also taken a bit of some things I like from Warren Buffett and I've created a triangle. John's heard me talk about this so many times now, but it's there's a triangle for me and my principal foundations are, I believe that I've lived, uh, I've lived a life well lived that on the basic, the bottom foundation, it's family first. And I'll do anything I can to 
support, be there, help out with family and just spend quality time with them because I know parents are probably the closest people to me in my life while also having a transience and a, a memento mori of a sense of that time is for, I'm lucky to have parents compared to some people. And while I still have it, I want to make the most of it. But then second is what also, and, and I found like I've been changing the orders many times and still test things out. But like, I found that that is my foundation. If I had nothing else, I could live a quality, happy life with just that. But then the second, which is slightly up on this, which is needed a bit less, but still a very foundational element is friends. And so friends and companionship one day, but friends for now. And with friends comes community, comes the ability to enjoy time together. And one time there was a gentleman, I really, um, I always loved how he expressed his definition of friends. It's people who have nothing to do and do it together. And that was from Greg Lushner, great guy. And, and so the next foundation is work. And for me, I, in an American society, at least it can change other places, but in the kind of framework that I've been born into, and I'm not moving from anytime soon, I must make um, a quality amount of money in order to survive and support those that I love and the passions that I want to pursue and the future family that I'd like to have. And so that's level three, which is slightly smaller. And then there's two more levels to it, which is what comes after work is, um, is hobbies. And so how do I find hobbies that I found if I don't exercise, I feel really, really mucky inside and I feel sad or depressed or times get slower and I start to do less, become lackadaisical, yada, yada. And so with regards to hobbies, I like to find passion projects that are one, you know, uh, like first hobbies, exercise comes first, right? And then I'm still figuring out the last part, but basically like the last part, which is the pinnacle is kind of how does one create a world where then they can replace kind of work where they can, once I have those foundational things of healthy body, healthy mind, healthy family, healthy friends, healthy lifestyle and healthy work environment and monetary support and foundation, how do I get to that final part where in the Maslow's hierarchy is kind of like that other state. And it's for me, that's where then I want to not just do hobbies and such, but it's how do I find that, that not passion project, but that, that project that really, or projects, right, that help support those other things so I can kind of maybe one day get out of those and then, or keep doing them if I love them, and also start building things that help out people that are less lucky than I, right? And how does one do that? And then I think that would be a really beautiful life to help out in, you know, developing countries and stuff and volunteer in my backyard and make stuff here, right? And so, all of that comes together in a long answer for that's kind of my f number one principle. And number two, I'm learning from John of how to kind of try to live life in a more open and adventurous way. And so I think it's coming together bit by bit, but one step at a time. <laughs> also, also I'm learning from you. It's, mm -hmm. it's not a one way thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, I 
think we're I think we're right around the hour. Um, uh, and we we asked this to all our guests. Toby, is there is there are there any parting thoughts that you want to say to our one or two listeners? And Hi, also- mom. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Hi, Toby's mom. Toby's mom, you have the best son. He's so oh, cute. Goodness, I've known him for 55 to an hour and five minutes. It's amazing. What a guy. She is really awesome. Um, she really is. Parting thoughts. Um, ooh, on the spotlight. I really loved your Maslow's hierarchy of needs, um, how you were thinking about it. And... Um, I'm writing a product strategy right now. I'm going to use it and I'm going to credit you. <laughs> the way you credit said. the Moon Tea podcast. At <laughs> <laughs> Moon Tea. You got to pay for this now. <laughs> um, but on that same note, actually, of Maslow's Hard Here for Needs, um, I was listening to uh, every now and then, like, there's some task at work where I can listen to a podcast because it's pretty, like, manual and just gives me present. Uh, Melinda Gates was talking about, it's the HBR idea podcast, really recommend by the way. Um, Melinda Gates was talking about how they wanted to empower women and things like that in these communities. And and before you can get to empowerment, um, you actually have to take care of these very fundamental, before you can mm-hmm. empower women to like stand up and do, 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 um, whatever like empowerment looks like, you got to make sure like just the basic fundamental needs are taken care of. Um, and so in this example, she talked about how um, there's two, there's a couple and this, the, the man was saying like, hey, how do we get, you know, how do we get to point B? And she goes, well, I have to carry a pail of water many um, miles. So what if you helped me do that thing? And then that gives me the latitude to then maybe go up one more level of needs to maybe something more um whatever that next level is and i really like that image because um because i think that the top of the or i think the word ooh, the, the eloquent the educated word is the pinnacle um of the of maslow's looks different and i think i was saying earlier how i don't believe in binaries um, I don't believe in, you know, like opposites. And I think everything is like, like the opposite of tall isn't short in my opinion. The opposite of tall is less tall. Uh, it's or more tall or more of this and less of that. And I think um, the party thought I want to ask or give is, um, is to ask ourselves and whomever, what are, what is your pinnacle? Um, or what do you think your pinnacle is? And I think it allows us to build more consensus alignment and allows us to empathize more because if this is my pinnacle then I know oh I now know how to support you here here and here so that you can reach there not saying that this bottom things aren't important or doesn't mean you shouldn't engage these things because there's a lesson learned there but it's like it's just like how, how can I help carry you so you can reach to a higher level on the shelf of your pinnacle and um and that really struck me um, here when the gates share that. And, and I think I've been thinking about that a lot in terms of um, 
activism, especially for, you know, everyone's like Black Lives Matter. And I'm like, that's awesome. Like, I truly feel very privileged in many aspects of my life. So I almost feel like, okay, great. You feel privileged here. How, what's the, what's the next thing that you can do? And, and I've been thinking a lot more about like, okay, well, what are some low level needs that I can help support my uh, women counterparts so that they can then reach those higher level needs because I have more bandwidth or whatever more is. So that is my point. Wow. You're amazing. Oh, stop it. Okay. Well, I guess much to all of our sadness is chagrin, I guess. I will have to end the episode. So with that, Toby, thank you so much for taking the time to come on to this episode of the Moon Tea Podcast. John, thank you for inviting him. Amazing, amazing guy. Well, I'll hopefully if I'm in Seattle one day, we'll all get a hangout. That'll be soon. Yeah. Or if you're in Arizona, let's get a beer. Uh, mm. Actually, we'll probably be in Arizona at some point this year. So that'll be great. Cool. Definitely, definitely. And with that, we'll talk offline. And with that, everybody, thank you again for tuning into another episode of the Moon Tea Podcast, where we talk about craft, community, and building meaningful careers. So I hope you have a great time, have a great week, and tune in next week. You heard it here first.